Hari Lila, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. Of the Gaudiya Vaishnava literatures, Chaitanya Charitamrita is of paramount importance. There are many authorized biographies of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, his associates, and the descendants, spiritual descendants of those associates, such as the Chaitanya Bhagavat, Chaitanya Mangal, Bhaktaratnakar, Prem Vilas, Narottam Vilas, and many others. But of them, the Acharyas have all agreed and concluded that the Chaitanya Charitamrita is most important. Because Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami has so deeply explained the philosophical principles behind every aspect of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's life and teachings. Chaitanya Bhagavat, written by Srila Vrindavan Das Thakur, who according to Kaviraj Goswami is accepted to be incarnation of Srila Vyasadeva, has written in such a way to mark within history um, the record of the most important of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's activities in this world, and especially his various relationships with his devotees. Of course, as it is explained in the Chaitanya Bhagavat, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed so many pastimes that if Ananda Shesha, with all of his hoods for the entire span of creation, were to try to delineate what Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu did in one hour, it would be impossible. That is the fullness and the depth and the unlimited pastimes of the Lord. But some of the most important and essential of the beautiful pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu have been given by Vrindavan Das Thakur to the world for all time to come. Now, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami explains in Chaitanya Charitamrita, after glorifying Vrindavan Das Thakur, that he has explained everything in essence and in truth. I am only chewing the remnants of what he has already spoken and elaborating on certain points that he has not taken the time to discuss. And Kaviraj Goswami in his great humility considers himself to be the most obedient and humble servant of both Vrindavan Das Thakur, his predecessor author, as well as um, all of the Vaishnavas. In fact, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita how it is that Krishnadas Kaviraj, who has elaborated with such deep explanation on every point so that people from within their hearts would be utterly convinced of the supremacy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's incarnation and the truth underlying all of his teachings. Um, it is explained that Swarup Damodar Goswami was the personal secretary of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that what we should do, this class, is whoever's in here at 10.30 is in here. Doors. Ask Kaviraj Goswami, how did he come to writing Chaitanya Charitamrita? It is explained that Swarup Damodar Goswami was the personal secretary of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And especially during his Antya Leela, his last years on this earth, 
He was constantly in the association of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, both day and night. And Raghunath Das Goswami was personally put under the care of Swarup Damodar by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself. Raghunath Das Goswami was of the Kayasta community, very, very wealthy father and uncle, tremendous amount of land, tremendous influence in society, and Raghunath was his only son. He was the only one to, to carry on the family's name. Not only that, he was on, the only one to carry on all of the <coughs> efforts and business endeavors that his father and uncle gave their lives to developing. They were solely depending on Raghunathas. So there was tremendous social pressure, tremendous family pressure. And an endless amount of temptation that was put before him. Practically speaking, in that village, his father and uncle were like the kings. And he was to be like the king. So, of course, from a very, very young age, they married him to a beautiful woman with the most exalted qualities conceivable, trying to settle him very nicely in his, what they would call his swadharma, his duties in life. <laughs> but somehow or other, when Raghunath was very young, his guru, his family's guru, whose name was Yadunandana Charja, he, um, he was a devotee of Haridas Thakur. So at times he would bring Raghunath Das to meet with Srila Haridas Thakur. And when he heard the glories of the Holy Name, and when he heard the glories of the descent of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in that association awakened within his heart the insatiable desire for devotional service. He cared nothing for his material life. And when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was traveling on his journey to Vrindavan, I'm sorry, I believe their first meeting was after Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas, when, when he was in Santipur. At that time, Raghunath Das first came and met Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And his heart changed. His heart was, con was committed to the mission of the Lord at the exclusion of everything and anybody else. And he told his parents what his plan was and of course they went wild with grief, with disappointment, with anger, with everything. Everything they lived for, they were depending on him to preserve and to expand upon. future of their name, the future of their fortune, was solely in his hands. It is a long story, but it is explained by Kaviraj Goswami in the Antyalila, how Raghunath Das was guarded on all sides by twelve bodyguards, who were specifically and exclusively meant simply to keep him from running away. At one point, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him, do the needful. Be like a woman who is married but is in love with another man. Do your duties very carefully so that nobody will expect or suspect that you have any other motivation except taking care of your responsibilities to your family and so forth. But in your heart you should always be meditating on Krishna. And in due course of time, Krishna will liberate you from this bondage. And of course, at the right moment, Srila Raghunath Das, he escaped from his home. And he went directly to Jagannath Puri, 
And when he arrived in Puri, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was so happy to see him, he affectionately embraced him. He said, it is only by the mercy of Krishna that one can be relieved from the bondage of worldly life. And he accepted Raghunath as a sannyasi. And he personally took Raghunath's hand and gave him as a gift to Swarup Dhamadhar Goswami. And he said, I want you to take care of him. I want you to train him and allow him to be your assistant. And for that time, for many, many years, it was for over a decade, Raghunath lived in the direct service of Swarup Damodar, who was practically 24 hours a day in the personal association of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Swarup Damodar was keeping a brief diary of all of the activities of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And Raghunath Das expounded on this very deeply. And um, of course, after Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had left this world, and after Swarup Damodar, in the pangs of separation, could no longer endure life in this world, he left. And Lord Nityananda left. Uh, Gadadhar Pandit had left. So many of the great Vaishnavas had left this world. Raghunath simply felt, what is the use of my living? What is the purpose of my existence? Why they have all gone to join Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but I am so materialistic. I am so worldly. I am so attached to this body and these senses that I'm, I'm living in the separation of the Lord and all of his associates. So he decided to go to Vrindavan to climb to the top of Govardhan Hill to leap from the top and commit suicide. So he made his journey to Vrindavan. But of course, Rupa and Sanatan were specially commissioned by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be the acharyas who were to direct and guide all of the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and establish the principles that Gaudiya Vaishnavism should follow for the rest of eternity. So Raghunath, understanding the intimacy and the love between them, no, first pay obeisances and receive the blessings of Rupa and Sanatana. And how fortunate we are that he did. Because when he did, they told him, that you were with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu practically continuously for the last 18 years of his Leela in this world. Therefore, we and the rest of the world, we do not understand and know what he has done. So you cannot leave this world. You must stay with us and daily discuss the beautiful pastimes and teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as you have seen them and as you have heard from Swarup Damodar. So every day, Raghunath Das Goswami at various places, especially on the banks of Sri Radha Kund, he would narrate the beautiful pastimes of Lord Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu through his own direct experience and the experience of the intimate associates he was in constant contact with. And the Vaishnavas of Vrindavan, with great, great eagerness, anticipation, and love, they would sit and listen every day in rapt attention. And one such great Vaishnava was Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami. He would hear every day from Raghunath, and in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Krishnadas Kaviraj himself explains how he came to Vrindavan. He was living in a small village in Bengal, and it is described that one of the very, very personal associates of Lord Nityananda, of the name Minaketana Ramdas, came to visit his village. And he was one of the twelve Gopals, one of the twelve 
most confidential cowherd boys of Goloka Vrindavan, who descended along with Lord Nityananda to manifest the divine Leela of Braja in this most confidential manner of Chaitanya Leela in this world. So Miniketana Ramdas came to this village and he preached and he held beautiful kirtan. He danced very, very beautifully. And he was a very spontaneous devotee. People would have so much affection, regard, and love for him that when people would bow down to him, sometimes he would jump on their back and he would take his flute and slap them and then start to laugh. In this way, he was simply in the mood of a cowherd boy. While he was there, but he was also very much conscious that he was the representative of Lord Nityananda. Sometimes in the preaching mission, a devotee, when he is representing another great soul, accepts devotion, accepts obeisance on behalf of that great soul, never thinks it for himself. And of course, any offense committed to that soul is also delivered to the acharya or to the great soul he is representing. So it is described that one time the brother of Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami was worshipping the deity and Miniketana Ramdas came into their home and the brother utterly neglected to show any respect or hospitality to Miniketana Ramdas who was so humble but he realized that this is offense to Lord Nityananda. This is not an offense to me. And therefore he became very angry. And he spoke that I see here another example of Romaharshan Sutta, who has failed to show respect to Balaram. He especially used that example because Lord Nityananda is none other than Balaram himself. And as the messenger representative of Lord Nityananda, he was representing Balaram. And Romaharshan, although he was engaged in discussing philosophy, sitting on Vyasasan, even in that sacred activity, one has no right to neglect a great personality when he comes in. In fact, Srila Rupa Goswami has explained in Bhakti Dasamrita Sindhu, even if you're worshipping the deity, if a great personality comes in, the first priority is to stop the deity worship and greet him. Because the deity will, will, will take greater offense if you neglect his devotee. So in this way, Miniketana Ramdas, as a pure servant of Lord Nityananda, could understand the very, very, very precarious spiritual position that the brother of Kaviraj Goswami was in for neglecting to offer respect Lord Nityananda through his transparent via medium. He said, I see here another Romaharshan Sutta, too proud and caught up in their rituals to show the proper respect to the Lord. And we see the same essential principle when Krishna went, sent his cowherd boys to beg the foodstuffs from the Brahmins. They were representing Krishna and Balaram. They were his representatives. They were coming on his behalf, on Krishna's order. So as you treat the cowherd boys in that situation, that's how you treat Krishna and Balaram. And these Brahmins were so much immersed in their rituals that they could not understand what the essence of their rituals was, was to please Krishna and Balaram. Therefore, when they offended the cowherd boys, they offended Krishna. Now, Krishna and Kaviraj Goswami, he was a true devotee of Lord Chaitanya and Lord Nityananda. So he became Mindaketana Ramdas. After this, he left. He went to the next place, chanting the holy name. 
But Kaviraj Goswami was very angry with his brother and began to explain, do you not see the offense that you have committed? This is the representative of Lord Nityananda. And he explains that my brother had great faith in Lord Chaitanya, but no faith in Lord Nityananda. And he explained to his brother, accepting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu without accepting the mercy of Lord Nityananda is like accepting half of a hen. Sometimes a farmer, he likes the front, he likes the back half because it gives eggs, eggs and he could sell those eggs and make money. But he does not like the front half because he has to spend money to feed it. So just to have pure profit, cut it in half, keep the back half and you just make money. You don't have to feed it. But is that possible? If you try to cut the hen in half, the whole hen is dead, spoiled. Lord Nityananda is the original spiritual master. Lord Nityananda is the founder of Guru Tattva. He is Balaram. The Guru is the manifestation of the mercy of Balaram. Therefore, to try to approach Krishna, to try to love Krishna, to try to serve Krishna, without recognizing, adoring, and worshiping the representative of Lord Nityananda, the bona fide spiritual master, you have as much chance of learning love of God as you do getting eggs from a chicken, a hen, cut in half. And Kaviraj Goswami was very strongly presenting this to his brother. And Kaviraj Goswami explains, that very day his brother fell down from all of his spiritual discipline. And because Kaviraj Goswami defended Guru Tattva in this way, Lord Nityananda was very pleased upon him. And that night he had a dream. Lord Nityananda appeared to him in the form of a cowherd boy. He had a beautiful bluish complexion with eyes blooming like lotus flowers. Were red from the like pomegranate fruits because he was chewing on the betel. And he had beautiful turban, beautiful dhoti. And he was shining like lightning. And in an, in an apparently intoxicated state, he was swaying back and forth. And around him were beautiful cowherd boys blowing on bugles and conch shells. And then Lord Nityananda looked at Kaviraj Goswami with great pleasure. And he pointed in a particular direction toward Vrindavan. And he said, go to Vrindavan and you shall desire all things. You shall attain all things. Go to Vrindavan and you shall attain all things. And then Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, when he woke up that morning, early, that dream was so fresh in his mind. This is the order of the Supreme Guru. He didn't even consider that he was an old man. And traveling to Vrindavan was very troublesome. What would he eat? Where would he sleep? Most of the travel in those days was the Jari Khanda jungle, which was very, very dangerous. He didn't consider what his relatives would think. He didn't consider his prestige. He didn't consider his own physical or mental conveniences. He left that very moment after he rose in the morning and began his journey to Vrindavan. And how he praises the mercy of Lord Nityananda. And what, we will read this beautiful chapter later on in our classes, discussions, but the most wonderful glorification of Lord Nityananda that he expresses is how he is so fallen 
how he is so undeserving. But by the causeless mercy of Lord Nityananda, he has brought Kaviraj Goswami to the lotus feet of Rup and Raghunath. This is the humility of the Vaishnava. He understands that the greatest gift of Lord Nityananda is that he has given him the immediate association of Guru. And taking the mercy of Lord Nityananda seriously to heart motivated him to utterly take shelter of Srila Rupa Goswami and Srila Raghunath Das Goswami and all of the Goswamis. But especially he had a very, very intimate relationship of being the servant and submissively hearing from them. And every day, Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, who was living at that time at Radha Kund, would sit and hear the beautiful narration of the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from Raghunath Das Goswami. And by the grace of the Lord, as Raghunath Das was speaking, the pastimes of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were literally manifesting, being reenacted in the heart of Kaviraj Goswami. And through his memory and through his notes, he had understood in full everything that had been spoken to him. And the Vaishnava devotees of Brajadham, of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, they approached Kaviraj Goswami, asking him to write what he has heard and to elaborate in deep philosophical terms according to the teachings of Srila Rupa and Raghunath. And of course, Kaviraj Goswami considered himself very, very undeserving of this great service and unqualified. A devotee is never ambitious to put himself forward as being an authority. Devotees throughout history we find they are usually very much pushed forward by other Vaishnavas to take on these responsibilities. Just like in our own Guru Maharaja's life, he, considered, he just considered himself a very ordinary Vaishnav, very insignificant compared to his own godbrothers. But Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur specifically wanted him to preach. And in order for him to preach the way Bhakti Siddhanta wanted, he had to detach himself from his family life, take sannyas. But Prabhupada thought, how could I do this? I do not have such qualifications. It would be arrogance for me to even attempt to fulfill this order. But Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur on several occasions appeared to him in dreams and said, take sannyas and preach all over the world. And Prabhupada was very frightened. Why was he frightened? Because he was humble. Such a tall order. Bhakti Siddhanta was ordering him to be a world acharya. Prabhupada just considered himself just a very ordinary, simple devotee. And to complement these dreams, one of Srila Prabhupada's own dear, most best friend godbrothers, Bhakti Pragya Keshav Maharaj, specifically insisted that Prabhupada, you must take sannyasa, Bhakti Vedanta, you must take sannyasa, and you must preach. Take on this mission that, your guru, that our Guru Dev has given you. And Prabhupada explained, that to reconfirm my dreams, my godbrother was speaking, and I could hear my Guru Maharaj speaking through him. And he accepted. And as we see, he has written over 60 volumes of books of all Vedic literatures throughout the history of the world. Prabhupada's books have been distributed more far, more wide, in more languages than any other author. And his books have changed millions of people's lives. 
and Srila Prabhupada himself, how he established so many beautiful temples, so many of the highest principles of Vaishnavism. Recently, just a few years back, I was at the college giving a lecture, which happened to be the first place that Prabhupada spoke to the youth of America. The first time he ever addressed the youth of America, it was at a college. Devamrita Prabhu and Radha Gopinath are following in Prabhupada's footsteps. Prabhupada went to Slippery Rock State College, which is just <coughs> a few miles south of Butler, Pennsylvania, where Prabhupada first lived when he came to America. He just lived at a middle-class family's home in Butler. And a Professor Larson saw an article explaining how in this very, very um, middle-class conservative town of Butler, Pennsylvania, there was an Indian Swami living at a house of Sally Agarwal. So he became very fascinated by this, Professor Larson, and he called Prabhupada at the house and asked, will you speak in one of my classes, a philosophy class? So Prabhupada, yes. So he took, Professor Larson picked him up and brought him. And when I met Professor Larson, he was showing me exactly which places Srila Prabhupada spoke. And he told me between classes, they sat on a bench together in the campus, nice green grass, trees all around, very peaceful atmosphere. <clears throat> and they just sat together and talked. <clears throat> and he took me on that same bench, and Professor Larson and I were sitting together. I was, and he said, you are sitting right where Prabhupada was, and I am sitting right where I am. But this was many years before. This was in 1965, before Prabhupada met anybody else. And <clears throat> I said, well, what did you discuss with Srila Prabhupada? said he was asking. He looked at that tree and said, what type of tree is that? Does it give fruit? What type of tree is that one? Does it give fruit? And he was just asking very questions. He just came to America. He didn't recognize anything around him. He was just asking about little things like that. Asking, he was asking, how do you think the youth of America will accept the teachings of Bhagavad Gita and Krishna Consciousness. And he said, and oftentimes he would just sit, just looking at the sky, fingering his little beads in his bag, chanting Hare Krishna. And he said, and I have never seen or heard from Srila Prabhupada since then except he gave me as a gift three books that he brought from India, which I have put in the library. And he said, what has Prabhupada done since that time? And I told him that he has single-handedly opened over a hundred centers. He has written over about 60 books, which have been distributed by the millions every year. He initiated thousands of disciples. And Professor Larson says, I do not believe you. How is it possible? Maybe he just sat in one place and his ambitious disciples did all these things for him, but I cannot believe that he could have done these things. Why is this? He said, I could understand that he was a very, very holy man. Very pure, very holy, very, very high in loving God. But he was just so simple. And he was just so non-assuming. I can't believe that he was a leader. He was just very simple, very gentle. He just presented himself very ordinary. And then he, then he began to think about it. He said, so humble. He said, I have never met such a humble and simple man in my life. He said, if he has done this, then there is no doubt in my mind that God has done everything through him because of his pure heart. 
how Śrīla Prabhupāda was pushed by the Vaishnavas to accept this great task. And in the same way, Krishna Das Kaviraj was very reluctant to take a high position because they, such great souls, they do not want distinction, they do not want fame, they do not want recognition, they would rather be invisible to everybody's eyes. But for the sake of service, they are willing to please the Vaishnavas, no matter what they have to do. So the leading Vaishnavas of Vrindavan approached Srila Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami and told him that we want you to write the Chaitanya Charitamrita. We want you to put as in the eternal records of literature for all of humanity the pastimes and we want you to elaborate with your deep, deep realizations of the philosophy of Rupa and Sanatana Goswami. And Kaviraj Goswami felt, how could I do this? Who am I to do this? So first he went to the deity of Madan Mohan to ask permission. And when he went into the temple, he was praying to Madan Mohanji, the deity of Sanatan Goswami in that beautiful temple. If it is so your desire, please grant me your blessings. And just at that moment, a garland fell from Madan Mohan's body into the hands of the Pujari. And the Pujari, who's the representative of the deity, came and placed that garland on Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami's neck. And when that happened, all the Vaishnavas who were present in great ecstasy began to cry out, Jai, Jai, Jai. And then Kaviraj Goswami, with great, great humility, begged for the blessings of each and every Vaishnava Vrindavan. And after receiving all the blessings of all the Vaishnavas of Brajadham, then he proceeded to write this beautiful epic, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. If you go to Radha Kund, the very exact spot where the Bhajan Kutir of Krishnadas Kaviraj is still there. And that is the place where he sat on the banks, just between Shaman Kund and Radha Kund, and he wrote this greatest treasure house of all literatures. It is explained that the Bhagavad Gita is the study of the essence of all Vedic knowledge. And the Srimad Bhagavatam is the graduate study of the Bhagavad Gita. And Chaitanya Charitamrita is the postgraduate study of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Bhagavad Gita begins with the fundamental principle that you are not this body, that you are the eternal soul. And it goes through a very, very deep philosophical explanation given by Lord Sri Krishna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra of what is the soul, what is the nature of God, what is this prakriti or material nature, what is karma the law of action and reaction that is affecting all living beings in this world and how we are all under the control of time. These five subject matters comprise the basis of Bhagavad Gita and the culmination of the Gita. When all things are said and done, Krishna explains, Sarva dharman purityajya mam ekam sharanam braja Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender to me. The Srimad Bhagavatam begins where the Gita ends. It begins with utter unmotivated surrender. Dharma satam. Vyasdev explains we're beginning the first verse of Bhagavatam from the point of total surrender to Krishna and we're going to go beyond that. We're kicking out all sub-religious principles. <coughs> Bhagavad Gita ends, abandon all varieties of religion. 
and Bhagavatam begins. We're abandoning all varieties of religion before we even start this book. We're only going to speak Ahoytiki Apratihata Bhakti, unmotivated, uninterrupted, loving service to the Lord. And through the nine, first nine cantos of Bhagavatam, our consciousness is being escalated by Srila Vyasadeva to higher and higher understandings of pure love of God and pure surrender. And by the time we come to the tenth canto, we are introduced to the five rasas of Goloka Vrindavan, which culminates in the conjugal love between Radha and Krishna. And that's where Bhagavatam ends. Of course, the name of Sri Radha is not in the Bhagavatam. None of the names of any of the gopis are in the Bhagavatam. Because Shukadeva Goswami, he had such reverence and such spontaneous affection for the conjugal love of the gopis that it would have been impossible for him to continue the speaking of the Bhagavatam in only a short time of seven days if he even mentioned the names of any of the gopis, what to speak of Sri Radharani, because it would have filled his heart with too much ecstatic love. He was fearing he would go into trance. The Chaitanya Charitamrita begins where the Bhagavatam leaves off, explaining in the very beginning of Chaitanya Charitamrita how Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna who came to this world especially to taste the sweetness of the conjugal affection of Sri Radharani. And from that starting point, the Adi Lila, the Madhya Lila, and the Antya Lila simply grows and grows and grows into deeper and deeper and deeper, more profound explanations. At the beginning, in Adi Lila, Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami explains everything in the deepest, most sublime philosophical terms. And in the Madhya Lila, he explains the, the sweetness of the relationships of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with his devotees and the glory of his preaching. And toward the end of the Antya Lila, the ultimate realization of Godhead is being revealed as it has never been revealed in any other literature in the history of creation. It is a very advanced subject matter. Kaviraj Goswami explains in the last volumes of the Antyalila the nature of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's feelings of separation from Krishna, which means the very, very embodiment of Sri Radha's love and how she is feeling in the topmost experience of her rasa with Krishna in Vipralambhaseva, or separation. In other words, the Mahabhava of Sri Radharani was exhibited to this world through the glory of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And because this subject matter is so highly confidential and because people misunderstand the conjugal love affairs of Radha and Krishna so grossly thinking she's a girl he's a boy that is one of the main reasons Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas because you can understand the essence of the conjugal love between Radha and Krishna but there's no question of seeing it as anything immoral. When Radha and Krishna come together, people question, and even in our hearts we think, my God. But when Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who was the staunchest, the strictest, the most stalwart sannyasi, when he was feeling these experiences toward Krishna, we can understand the essence of Radha's love with no misinterpretation whatsoever. Of course, Perhaps none of us can really grasp this particular topic. But we are explaining just how great and powerful this literature of Chaitanya Charitamrita is. And the most glorious 
of all the attributes of the Chaitanya Charitamrita is Srila Prabhupada has written beautiful, elaborate purports to explain the highest subject matters in simple terms that even the ordinary devotee can grasp within the core of their hearts if they are simply sincere. You see, according to the Gaudiya Vaishnava Sampradaya, to simply translate one of the liter great literatures of either the Vedas or the previous Acharyas is practically meaningless unless there is an elaborate purport which is pertinent to the people of the time and place to explain it to them. Therefore, we find in all the great Sampradayas, Ramanujacharya, Madhvacharya, Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, Gopal Bhatt Goswami, they have, tr they have taken so much of the Vedic literature, so much of the teachings of the previous Acharyas, and expounded with eloquent purports. Bhakti Siddhanta, Bhakti Vinod. Because to approach the Vedic literatures without the explanation of the Guru and the previous Acharyas is practically impossible. To comprehend, very difficult. Therefore, Srila Prabhupada told us in his books that 90% of your advancement is not in the translations, but in my purports. That 90% of your advancement is not in the translations, but in my purports. Because you cannot approach the translations directly and hope to understand it. That is why, like we have in our library, you can see many translations of Vedic literatures by scholars. Many of them are very accurate. <clears throat> but there will be practically no purification by reading these books. And even by reading the, the original Sanskrit or the original Bengali, there will be very little purification. But when you read the translation in adjoinment with the realizations which are coming through the purports of the previous acharyas, you can truly grasp the essence. The Chaitanya Charitamrita is celebrated as the greatest of all spiritual literatures that have ever been revealed to man. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami is accepted as incarnation of Veda Vyas himself, who has gone way beyond any of his previous teachings in this most sublime literature. And how merciful is Srila Prabhupada that he worked so laboriously to present this literature in dozens of languages throughout the entire face of the earth. And how merciful are his disciples who have sacrificed their lives to distribute this message. By disciples, we are speaking of his disciples, his grand disciples, his great grand disciples, and all generations to come of those who continue this great mission. Rupa Goswami explains that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the most munificent, most merciful, and most unique of all incarnations because he is giving the highest principles of the mellows of love of God to everyone. But he is always also teaching us the process of how to receive it. So every day, we will meet together to have class. It will not be like today's class. Today is an introductory class. Today I wanted to simply barely touch on some of the basic historical principles which give us 
an understanding of how to approach the Chaitanya Charitamrita. The Adi Lila. For our own understanding and convictions in Krishna consciousness and for our own preaching is so essential to carefully analyze and comprehend. Between the writings of Kaviraj Goswami in the Adi Lila and the purports of Srila Prabhupada, no one could possibly leave this movement if they grasp what is said here. It's not possible. Due to weakness of the senses, one may temporarily deviate from the highest principles. Hopefully that will never happen to any of us. But one who grasps the teachings of this first volume of Adi Lila of Chaitanya Charitamrita, his heart will be so fixed in conviction at the lotus feet of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and all of his descendants that he can never leave this movement. He could never leave the mercy of Mahaprabhu. The Adi Lila is teaching us systematically how to make advancement in Krishna consciousness, how to respect and how to worship what is sacred Krishna consciousness. This is how he begins. The Adi Lila begins by Kaviraj Goswami offering his own personal respectful obeisances to those most sacred principles in bhakti. How to respect, how to adore, and how to serve these most sacred principles. And if we can simply grasp this, the initial teachings, our hearts will never divert from the path of Sriman Mahaprabhu's causeless mercy. That is for sure. Srila Prabhupada told us so many times that my devotees are leaving this movement because they have not understood the purports of my books. If you understand the purports of my books, Maya cannot conquer you. It is not possible. But if you do not, you are subjected to the influence of Maya. And of course, this is a brahmachari ashram. And a brahmachari has to have the highest, deepest convictions to continue. It is not an easy life. It is a very difficult life. You know the story of the prophet. Prabhupada told many times the prophet came into the village and he was giving benedictions. He said to the prince, better you live. And he explained in the purport to this, that better you live because you're committing so many sinful acts for your sense gratification. Buried by all your wealth, you are so intoxicated that when you die, you're going to have to suffer the consequences and hellish conditions of life. And he told the butcher, better you neither live nor die, because now you're simply in the presence of all bloodshed and terrible death. <coughs> and in the future, you're going to have to suffer for every little bit of pain you've caused to these animals. And he said to the pure Vaishnav, either you live or die, it doesn't matter, because now you're simply chanting Krishna's glories, and when you die, you'll just continue chanting Krishna's glories. And to the brahmachari, he said, better you die. Because in the pursuance of living the life of a brahmachari, such a simple life, such an austere life, such an obedient life, there's so many difficulties. There's so many obstacles. There's so many temptations that you have to restrain your senses from. You have to keep so incredibly busy in Krishna's service, menial service. If it's big service, we'll get proud. We have to be completely immersed in menial service to keep our minds from being attracted to the temptations of lust and greed. 
and menial to keep us from even in that service being attracted by the temptation of pride. The idle mind is the devil's workshop. We have to keep busy in Krishna's service to restrain from the greed for money, the lust for sex. Otherwise, our mind will overcome us. We have to be fully engaged. But even when you're fully engaged, Maya still tempts you with pride. Therefore, a brahmachari is simply a menial servant. Who wants to be a menial servant in this world? People spit on the thought of being a menial servant. And therefore, sometimes people will spit on you, even your own loved ones. This is what brahmachari life means. Brahmachari life means the willingness to break the hearts of those who love you most in this world on the physical platform and the willingness to accept the broken heart of all the things we have to leave behind for what? To accept the lowest position of being a menial servant. Better you die because this prophet said because because of what you are doing and the sacrifice you are making to Krishna, when you die, you will go back to Godhead directly. All the hardships you're enduring for him, you are on the royal road to Goloka. But how to stay on this royal road? We find in the uh, Madhyalila, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took sannyas, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was very worried about him because he was young. Everyone in this ashram is young. We're following in the footsteps of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Giving up the things of this world at a young age for Krishna's service. It's the most glorious position. Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was very worried that such a young person in the renounced order, unless he really grasps the Shastra, he's going to fall victim to Maya. Of course, Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya's understanding of the Shastra was all nonsense. It was Shankar's philosophy. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard him very submissively for seven days, and Sarvabhoma said, why haven't you asked any questions? He says, because it's all nonsense. <laughs> Vyasadev's Vedanta Sutra is so easy to understand. It's like they're signing sun. And your interpretations are like a dark cloud which completely obscures the essence of what he's saying. Sarvabhoma said, well, what do you mean? And he explained his own interpretation. And Sarvabhoma fell at his feet and became his disciple. So in that same mood, Srila Prabhupada explained that the most important austerity especially for brahmacharis, but actually for all classes of devotees, is to understand and grasp the purports of his books. You can read the books of other saints and other souls and translations of the different leelas of the Lord, but it will not really purify your mind properly. Your own guru and your own grand guru has given you his personal specific books and Prabhupada has dedicated his life to writing these books. He would work and preach all day long and when all the other devotees were sleeping he'd be up all night performing this sacrifice just to write these books. For us. Therefore how much we need to grasp the purports. We don't need to understand all the other Vedic literatures. If we only understand the Chaitanya Charitamrita, the Bhagavatam and the Bhagavad Gita according to Prabhupada's purports, Prabhupada said everything you need to know to go back to Goloka Vrindavan and convince anybody on earth to go back to Godhead, you know it. But we don't grasp any of what Prabhupada has said. And yet we're meandering into so many other things. We should make a very, very, very deep, analytical, scrutinized study and absorb the words of our own Guru Maharaj. He has written these specifically, personally, for us. And that is the purpose of this class every day. We want to inspire the devotees to deeply enter into the spiritual realm of Prabhupada's books. Not just going through it and saying, I've read them. 
but pondering upon what is being said and discuss amongst each other for further elaborations. This is very important. Throughout Vaishnav history we find that devotees come together, especially sadhus, to discuss what the previous acharyas have said, to share their own realizations, to help one another get deeper and deeper understandings and deeper and deeper applicational methods of putting it in our life. Therefore, I seriously believe that this class will be one of the most essential parts of our spiritual life because we will learn how to study these books and discuss and share the wealth of these books with one another. And this will give you firm conviction. It will protect you from Mayavad influence. It will protect you from the Sahajya influence, which so many Vaishnavas have succumbed to over the years. And it will protect you from the influence of the gross material energy trying to drag you away due to so many subtle and gross attachments to the mind and senses and their objects. So the form of the class will be at the beginning flexible because after all I never even went to college, so I don't know much about methodical teaching. All of you are PhDs, master degrees, scholars of various forms. Pradumina has degree in forestry. <laughs> Radha Gopinath has degree in speech therapy and language, master's degree. Sanat Kumar has master's degree in law. Devamrita has master's degree in management and business. Shamananda has master's degree in business management. Ashok Faraik has master's degree, big, big degree in, what is it? Management. <laughs> Gambling <laughs> in management. And Satyavrat has master degree, an honorary master degree by Radha Gopinath in deity worship. Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj has honorary master degree by Lord Jagannath for his devotional service and book distribution. And of course many of the others are working on high, high degrees, Abhijit and Sharad. And myself, I'm really one of these orphan boys who just basically coming out of the um, dirt of material society. And by the grace of Guru, I'm allowed to be with all of you. That's all I can say. So the way we want to have this class is at the beginning I will speak reading through the purports and the verses of Chaitanya Charitamrita. And the second part of the class was ev will every day one of the devotees will be assigned to a certain portion of the Shastra to give a lecture on. And we expect you to prepare very carefully to really digest and understand the subject matter really, really learn how to give the same understanding to everyone who's hearing. And it will not simply be to give a lecture on one verse. If we give a talk on a, on a very, very deep and important specific aspects of our philosophy. And then we will have discussion questions, answers, realizations, and discussions. Just as the six Goswamis, it is described every day they would meet at Radha Damodar temple to read the scripture together and to discuss it. 
they would each give their realizations they would each give their dissertations and they would all discuss it together and how much it made a bind of intimacy amongst them this is one of the very very important <coughs> results that we hope to get from this class is it really really increases the intimacy of all the devotees on a very very high spiritual platform of Krishna Kata and then for a half hour or so we will just sit each one of us with problems we'll have specific um, portions of the books that each of us and we will simply study and read in complete silence and we'll all be here to keep each other awake and then we'll end with a short kirtan so today we just introducing um, the class beautiful book, Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita, which will be a very prime part of our discussion. And we hope that this class continues on every day for many years to come. And I'm taking this class very seriously, and I hope that you all do. But in order to take it seriously, there cannot be distractions. This door, I think the class is better in this room than in the temple, huh? Every devotee must be here by 10.30. And the door closes at 10.30. And when that door closes, no one is allowed in or no one is allowed out. Unless there's an emergency. And our definition of an emergency is something that happens exceedingly rarely. Huh? Sometimes, you know, the nature of the mind is, uh, you could create an emergency several times every day just to justify becoming less strict in your discipline. But we have to be very honest. So we should try to plan our day in such a way that um, no, nothing and no one will bother us at this time. And then after the class, we will have half-hour japa. This we could do in the temple. Is it better? or would If there's nothing going on in temple, we will go in temple. If there's something, then we can have it here. Hmm? Conscious means to be the menial, humble servant. There's no question of any other position that we're striving for. And of course, the most important service that we have is to adhere to the prime instruction of Srila Prabhupada, which is to attentively hear the holy name. Thank you very much.